This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book 4, Coming Home, Chapter 13 Assam fell through the ribbons of shadow to find there was nothing waiting on the other side, just darkness. He waited. He could not tell if he was moving or standing still. His outstretched hand touched nothing, felt nothing. This was the darkness that everyone feared, under the bed, at the top of the stairs, down in the basement, at the back of the closet. This was what was waiting for us all, in the end. Then, close by, he heard his mother whisper, I let you drown. I let you fall. His heart twitched and fluttered at the shock of her voice so near. Mom? He stretched out his arms, reaching for her. I let you die she whispered. No, he walked forward into the dark. I'm here. I let you fall. You didn't. He wasn't even sure if she could hear him. I'm fine. I let you die. There, off to his right, his fingertips brushed something, her shoulder. He grabbed hold, following the shoulder down the length of her arm to grasp her hand in both of his. I let you down she whispered. Let me die. No, he told her. It's time to go back. She muttered something, and then, with the squeal of metal in his mother's screams rising in his ears, Assam squeezed her hand and pulled. They tumbled backwards through the darkness battered by shadows. For one terrible moment, Assam thought that they might not make it all the way through to the other side, that he might not be strong enough, might lose his grip might lose her once more. But then they came to a lurching, teeth-jarring stop. Darkness. Her hand still in his. Then the radio began to fade up. Did you make it? He heard his sister ask. Are you back? Before he could answer, he heard his mother let out a gasp. Sweetheart, the panic rose in her voice. Is that you? Where are you? The pale light of the dashboard rose, and Assam saw his mother twisting back in her seat, reaching out for the two of them. She cried out their names, such relief in her voice. The children grasped at her hands. It's okay, Assam told her. We're here. We came to get you, Ji said. Get me? Their mother asked, sobbing with relief. What do you mean? Assam realized she didn't know what was going on, didn't know what had happened. She didn't know where they were. There was an accident, he told her, but it's okay now. Their mom passed a hand over her face. I don't know what's... I thought... She trailed off, dazed. Assam raised his voice a notch. Mom, you've got to stay awake. You've got to hold on. She nodded and turned back to the wheel, peering out through the windshield. I'm sorry, honey. I can't believe how thick it is out there. She turned up the wipers. Why didn't they call a snow day? Mom, she said. 
Quiet, sweetheart. Their mother's voice was dreamy, almost a yawn. I'm trying to concentrate on the road. Assam knew that at any moment the truck was going to come barreling into them once again, knocking her back into the darkness once more, maybe deeper this time, too deep for him to reach her again. He grabbed G's hand. Hold on. Mom, he said, loudly, almost shouting. I think I'm carsick. What? His mother turned back, putting her hand on the seat next to her as she twisted around. He grabbed her hand and squeezed it, tight enough that he heard her cry out in pain. She tried to pull away, but he held on despite the screams, despite the blare of the truck, the shards of glass scattered through the air like stars, the long tumble into darkness. He held on until the end. In the darkness, he heard her crying softly, and it broke his heart. What's happening? she sobbed. What is this? The radio played. The light rose. Their mother sat at the wheel, driving, confused tears streaming down her cheeks. It's okay, Mom. G tried to reach up and pat her shoulder. Everything's okay. We're just stuck in the under... Ow! Assam took his hand off her arm, shaking his head. He had a very strong feeling that their mother in her current state, would not respond well to any information about where they were or why. He had no idea what to say, which was fine because, of course, his mother screamed and reached back through the seats as the headlights filled the car. He held her hand very tightly until it was over once more. As the music faded up and the dim light rose, Assam realized that he was getting tired. He wasn't sure how much longer he could stand the horrible cycle, how much longer before he slipped away into darkness as his mother had done. What's happening? his mother asked. Why is this happening to us? She pinched her cheek tightly between her thumb and forefinger. This is crazy. This doesn't happen. Do something, G poked his arm. I don't know what to do. What? she poked him again. Wake up and get us out of here. Knock it off, he edged away from her. I am awake. So, get us... He cut her off. I don't know how. What? He shrugged. All he really wanted right now was a nap. He felt his eyes drift downward. In the front seat, his mother walked into his room and told him it would time to get up for school. He groaned and sat up. He stared at the foot of his bed for a moment before flopping back down again. Then his sister said his name. What? He swung his head up and stared at her, blinking away the brief dream. We need to go. He rubbed his eyes. I think I was falling asleep. She rolled her eyes at him. Less naps, more saving. I'm so sorry their mother said. So sorry. They were losing her again. Something. Now. Do. G poked each word into Assam's shoulder for punctuation. I don't know what to do, he told her. I think we're stuck here. We can't be. We really are. We're really not, she nodded to their mother. Better get ready to grab her again. He reached out just in time. 
Soon enough, it was over. The wave passed, taking a little more of their mother's sanity and Assam's strength with it. What were you saying? He remembered that they'd been talking, but he could not remember what about. G resisted the urge to punch him. I was saying that we aren't stuck here. I think we are, though. Well, but you're an idiot. We're not stuck here because we're back there. Where? In the other place. He looked at her in confusion. What other place? The desert where we found her. She gave him a look. In the chair? I don't think I am. I don't think we are, he said slowly. I think we're just here now. But that doesn't make sense. She was there when we found her, and she was here. So we must be too, in both places. And if we are, then... Her brother looked at her thoughtfully. What? she asked. I was just thinking that I don't give you enough credit. Yeah, she said. You really don't. He smiled. What? she asked again. You've got that look. What are you thinking? He opened his mouth to explain, but it was too late. The car began to roll. Hands grasping, mother and children holding on as best they could through the storm of sound and pain. Eventually, it passed. Even before the radio began to fade up, Assam was already talking. Do you remember when you killed the fox? G nodded. Do you remember how you did it? I don't know. I just talked to it. It had been horrible, all that power spilling out of her, watching that poor animal waste away under the weight of her words. But it had felt good, too, that much power. He put his hand on hers. I want you to talk to Mom. What should I say? Tell her what you told me, that we're still there, back in the desert. He squeezed her hand. Use that voice, the fox voice, and bring her back. Any moment now, it would begin again. He could feel it coming. Assam locked his fingers into G's. It's coming round again. Talk to her. At a loss, G stared down at her snow boots in the dim light. Her boots. She'd lost them back in the swamp when they'd chased the little girl. But now they were back. She thought of her toes, worn and raw from walking over the ice and through the blasted plain. She thought of the feel of the packed earth under her feet, digging her toes in and breaking up the parched, fissured ground, holding onto it like a bird on a perch. G flexed her toes, digging in, as she said, as loud as she could. Mom, listen to me. Then her mother screamed, and the car lurched. Assam reached for her between the seats. G kept talking above it all. The ground felt like sandpaper under her feet. It must have been a lake once, long ago, dried away now to nothing, evaporated like all of the dreams and lives of the people who were trapped here. She was there. She was back. She stood behind the old chair her mother was sitting in, one hand on her shoulder. 
Her brother stood next to her, but he wasn't there. She heard him then, in the back of her mind, one word delivered across the gap between them with such force that it rattled her teeth. Paul, come here. She let her voice do the work of dragging them out of that hideous nightmare place, reaching deep into each one of them to tear them out of themselves. They screamed as they came through, pulled loose, and tumbled to the ground in a heap. But they were free. They sat there, the three of them, clutching at each other, hanging on as though they might suddenly fly apart again. The two children surrounded their mother, weighing her down so she might not vanish once more. It was a pure time, love and relief alone. Nothing could intrude, no shadow could be cast. But then, from behind them, Assam heard a familiar voice. And when the bell rang, when the moment came, it was only my mother, my dear sweet mother, who could recall my name. Assam raised his head, still clutching his mother and sister. Hi, Edgar, he said. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and read by the author, P.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at pmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Please direct all inquiries to the attention of the author at www.tmcamp.com. If you are unable to access the Internet, spread a thin layer of peanut butter over a slice of whole wheat bread. Sprinkle it with unsalted sunflower seeds and place it on the sill of any second-story window in your home. When the blue jay arrives, whisper your request to her. She will pass it along. If you live in a home with only one story, move.